Hello, and welcome to the Liberty Blues. I'm Sean Osborne. I'm John Phillips, attorney from the Deep Red State. It is Deep Red. All right, so uh, to, to, on today's show, we have Evan McMahon. He's running for uh, chair of the LP of Indiana. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. So what uh, I like to ask everybody, uh, what was your uh, introduction to libertarianism? How'd you end up uh, being a libertarian? Uh, so I grew up in politics, um, you know, volunteering on my first campaign when I was six with my aunt. It was kind of like a family fun thing that we could do. And just being engaged in politics locally, uh, there was a, a city councilor or a city council candidate in my hometown who was libertarian. And um, that was my first exposure. And, and he was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, I know it's crazy. Um and so, you know, it took a couple of years after that for me to really um, get to understand what libertarianism was. And, and uh, I learned it through, honestly, through candidates that I was running campaigns against and listening to them and going, you know, they're they're pretty right. This is this is. Yeah, this makes sense. Uh, then I started voting for for libertarians. And then uh, in 2010, I switched parties and. Um, started uh, working for libertarians. Mm -hmm. what, what, what side of the aisle did you come from? I, I was a former Democrat voter myself. So I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. So that means obviously I was a, a very uh, uh, left-leaning. Uh, and the first campaigns I was involved with were uh, mostly Democrat. And it was funny when I was a teenager, somebody that I, I worked with on um, city council issues uh, who is a, a well-known Republican said he was going to run for mayor and he wanted me on his campaign team. And I said, Oh no, 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 I'm a Democrat. I can't do that. And he was like, Oh, well, I was going to pay you. And I was like, yeah, I'm a Republican. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, um, so you said 2010, that's, uh, that's when you, what, what made you uh, start, uh, decide to run for chair? Who, who are you running against too? Um, so I'm actually unopposed, uh, and endorsed by every living former state chair, um, as well as most of the county chairs. So the, the reason why I'm running, um, is I have the, you know, obviously the campaign background I've, I've worked on candidates up and down the, the ballot, uh, worked as a lobbyist here in Indiana, representing trade associations and libertarian causes in the legislature, um, been involved with the state party. I served on the LNC as an at-large in 2014. I was the executive director of the Libertarian National Campaign Committee uh, for several years, uh, basically setting up affiliates and candidates for the party uh, across the country. So with Donald Rainwater's success here in Indiana, uh, and I was involved in his campaign, um, you know, before election night, about a month before, I could see the writing on the wall that we were going to make history in Indiana uh, with Donald Rainwater. Um, and to correct something that was said a couple of weeks ago on the show, um, Donald Rainwater actually came in second place in oh, 32 counties. Um, 32, yeah. Uh, and he got 11.4% uh, of the vote, which is uh, which is uh, historical. I mean, it's it's groundbreaking, unprecedented, amazing. If that had been our SOS campaign, which is in uh, 2022, um, that's our ballot access race. We'd be in the primary, but also we would be on the election board in 32 counties where 
basically we beat the Democrats in a third of the state. Um, That's so cool. So seeing that success and then kind of seeing the failures that we've had as a state party. And I, and I say that as somebody who serves on the state party board and has for two years, um, you know, it was time for us to step up and to really do everything that we can uh, to, to be a force in politics, to not just talk about it, but to actually do it. Um, and so, you know, all hands on deck, I said, listen, I'm going to commit you know, um, to up to four years of working full time uh, for the LPIN as the state chair and treat this like a long term campaign to get us to major statewide success uh, within the next four to eight years. So, you know, I got to put my money where my mouth is and, you know, be willing to do it. I can't ask somebody else to do the things that I think need to be done. I need to get yeah, in there and just do it. Really the big thing. And like and you know the the amazing thing is is I, I was just talking to a, a couple of county chairs today and they said just by the and they're newly affiliated counties, just by the things that we've been doing over the past uh two and a half months, they already have candidates uh for their local races for 2022. <laughs> you know, their municipal races and they're like, there's such an enthusiasm. And it's so when you get in there and you start doing these things and you start organizing and sending out the email list and fighting the legislature and running candidates early and getting in the press and doing all those things that you should be doing, it creates that momentum that people want to be involved in. So you get more uh, members, you get more volunteers, you get more candidates, and you get more people looking at the party platform and going, yeah, yeah, that's me. That, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I'm a libertarian. And so we're already knocking it out of the park, um, you know, two years ahead of our, our next campaign. Yeah, cycle. That's great. John has a pretty good follow-up for that because you were talking about like the ballot access stuff. You want to go ahead and talk about that, John? Um, what were you, what are you talking about? Like what you were talking about, about the, the Marion County prosecutor oh, thing. Yeah. Marion prosecutor. Yeah. I hoped you were going to bring that up. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my thing was, you know, it's great what rainwater has done. I've mentioned this is a couple of people running for vice chair. You know, it's great that he has that, but overall, and, and it would be no, no doubt that him winning would, um, bring up libertarian party access, all sorts of things. But, you know, I see the libertarian movement as at some point being it necessarily has to be like a complete social change. I mean, it has to be like a complete swing from the, the Republican uh, Democrat dichotomy. At some point, libertarian is just going to break through altogether as a big social movement. And and a governorship would be a, a good step in that regard. But it's also a weak governorship. So the governorship doesn't really have a whole lot of power in Indiana, you know. I, I've always advocated that the most popular or the most powerful position in Indiana is a Marion County prosecutor because then you have the ability to indict people. You have the ability to investigate people because I don't have any doubt in my mind that uh, Republicans and Democrats don't agree on anything. But one thing they can agree on is limiting, ac uh, limiting access to uh, votes for the Libertarian Party and, and trying to corner the market. And so, you know, if you had that position in Marion County, you have the ability to investigate them, you have the ability to indict them, and that would, could bring the party to a whole nother level. 
So, you know, I've, I've, I heard you talking to uh, Morgan Rigg, who's running for vice chair. Great guy, uh, super advocate uh, and volunteer here in Indiana. Um, you know, and I think, did you guys have Lucy Britton yeah, on last already? Week, yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, she's also amazing. Um, Lucy's part of my dream team. I actually asked her to run for vice chair uh, when I first started uh, running for chair. Um, so when I heard you talking to Morgan about, about this, um, you know, first as state party chair, I would encourage the Marion County party to fill their, their local ballot as state party chair. I have absolutely no control over that. Those races are not, uh, nominated at our state convention. We can help recruit candidates, but ultimately it's up to the local County party to decide if they're going to run somebody or not. What I will say is that Marion County is 68% straight ticket voting. And I don't mean 68% of the people go in and vote for one party up and down the ticket. I mean, 68% of the people go in and push a button and then walk out. Uh, and you can see that in the undervotes for the, um, the non-partisan um, races uh, for like school board and things like that. Um, you, can, you can see how it affects it. That's the big hurdle that you have to overcome. There's also, there's a bill before the, uh, it passed the Senate and moved over to the House this session that would actually grant the, um, and this was targeting Marion County, it would grant the Attorney General the ability to put in a special prosecutor and to overtake the prosecutor's office if the local prosecutor isn't prosecuting state law. Uh, and that's directly an assault on um, Prosecutor Mears um, who, um, or, or I think it's, I think I'm saying that right. I think it's Mears, um, who d has declined to prosecute possession charges for cannabis, um, in Marion County. Uh, they're not prosecuting them. They've vacated a lot of cases. They've, they, I mean, in, in one month, I think he over or not overturned, but, uh, disposed of a thousand pending cases for cannabis possession, um, literally overnight. Um, so the legislature has now turned on him and is saying, well, if he's not going to prosecute cannabis charges, we're going to give the AG the authority to come in and prosecute those, which is completely unacceptable. And just uh, the, the idea that, you know, this prosecutor was selected by the people in Marion County, uh, good or bad, that is the will of the voter. And the legislature doesn't get to pick and choose what the people of Marion County want enforced and not enforced. Imagine in Colorado, when Denver passed its laws restricting the local law enforcement from being able to um, uh, go after possession charges, they basically said, we want cannabis enforcement to be the lowest prop, uh, lowest priority. So once you've caught all, caught all the thieves, rapists and murderers and, and, and gotten rid of jaywalking and littering, then you can arrest somebody for cannabis. That's basically what they did in Denver. Imagine if the state legislature came in and said, no, 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 we're going to send in the state police to arrest people for local, local crimes because you're not doing a good enough job. So, I think our position should be attacking laws like that, that impact the entire state, because what happens here in Marion County could happen in St. Joe or Lake or Vandenberg or Marion, or excuse me, Monroe, um, which is basically taking the authority to prosecute or not prosecute away from county prosecutors. The whole system here in Marion County 
is corrupted. Um, we can't get judges on the ballot. That's basically um, if you're they elect four Republicans and four Democrats, and that's the process here. Uh, so we thought about trying to get a libertarian judge on the ballot and put a whole lot of eggs in that basket to try to get them to win just so we could sue the state over it. Because if our libertarian won under the law, they wouldn't be able to take the office because it's only four Democrats and four Republicans per election cycle. Um, so should Marion County run a judge or excuse me, a prosecutor? Yeah, they probably should. They should run every for every office. Should the state party put a lot of resources into a prosecutor's office? I don't think so. I think that we'd be better served uh, winning some of the the putting that those funds into more attainable seats, probably in other counties. Um, but I think we have to continue to be a voice in the, in the political sphere. I can't remember when we, if we've ever had a prosecutor candidate in Marion County. I would like to see that, um, especially to talk about. I know I'm being long winded here. I'm sorry. Oh, that's, um, that's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I live downtown here in Indianapolis, Marion County, and. Every couple of years, I go to the clerk's office and the prosecutor's office to complain about election fraud. At my house, there are 12 people registered to vote who have a voting history, which I only know this because I'm involved in the top level of our state party and can see voting records. I see who's registered to vote. I know because I received their voter registration cards in the mail, there are 12 people registered to vote at my house that have never lived here. I bought this house from the original family that owned it. Um, and those people have never lived in this house. They have voted from this address uh, for the last six to eight years and have never lived here. And when I took it to the, the clerk's office, to the election division, they said, well, you can't prove that. And I said, I, I own the house. <laughs> I know who lives in my house with me. I, I can prove it. When I took it to the prosecutor, a prosecutor's office, they weren't interested. And I said, this is, I mean, that's 12 cases of election fraud. And looking through my neighborhood at the voter registration list, I can see that there's a three bedroom house down the street from me that has 15 people registered to vote. If 15 people, adult age, live in a three bedroom house, while I may not agree with the ordinance, it is a violation of housing ordinance <laughs> in Indianapolis. Uh so something's going on here and the prosecutor's office and the clerk's office all say, eh, not a big deal. Not worth, not worth pursuing. Yeah. It seems like your only outlet in that situation is the media. I mean, if you can find the media that would care about it and the only way that they would care about it, obviously is if you know, the 12 people are voting for Democrats. Well, then the Republicans would care about it and, and vice versa. So that may be your only outlet is going through the media. I've actually, so I have pretty good contacts in the media and I've yet to find anybody that cares. <laughs> uh, I think they'll care once like a prosecutor decides to, to charge it or to investigate it. I think that's when they'll care, but not until then. Man, that's a trip, man. Well, let's take a little break here and then we'll come right back. Hi, 
Thanks for listening to the Liberty Blues Network. Make sure and check out all three podcasts on our network. We have the Liberty Blues, a progressive and a libertarian walking to a bar, and libertarian Los Angeles. Let us know what you think of the podcast and rate, review, follow, or whatever you can, wherever you listen. Thanks. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. So um, that, 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 that was a pretty good uh, discussion on that. Let's, uh, so, like, what would you say is your message that you want to put out there uh, to Hoosiers to join the LP? Like, what, what's, like, like, I guess your main, uh, what, when you get to be chair, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your outreach going to be like? So I'm not going to do the messaging. Um, our candidates and our local county parties uh-huh. do the messaging. My job as chair is to help the county parties and the candidates develop their infrastructure, gain the resources, um, train them on how to engage the community in a positive way, and for candidates on how to run a successful campaign. Um, that's that's going to be my job as chair. Mm-hmm. It's not to tell the candidates how to message uh, or what to message. It's more about how to deliver mm-hmm. that message. Um, but if you're asking me, how do you get somebody in Indiana to switch parties or to consider libertarianism? The first thing I would say is, is are you happy with what you got? Are you, do you feel like your life is better? Do you think like the people in the state house represent you and care about you and your family and your business and your local school and your roads? Do you think they care about how much money you have in the bank? Do you think they care about the fact that you may be struggling, that you're one paycheck away from a financial catastrophe? Do you think they care? Or do you think they care about the company that just got a $100 million subsidy to bring their outsourcing facility to Indianapolis for 400 employees who will be remote working from out of state? Do you think they care about you or do they care about the a billion dollars that they were going to give to Amazon to bring a facility to downtown Indy? Do you think they care about you or billionaire sports owners who won a new stadium? Because I don't think they care about you. Whether they have an R next to their name or a D next to their name, they don't care about you. Amen. And that's not a policy thing. That's not getting into, you know, gun rights or mask mandates or business closings or, you know, abortion or school funding or any of that, it gets into the simple, basic truth that the people in the state house don't give a shit about you. Yep. And they're going to, you're going to say they're all scum. All of them. Oh, they're all corrupt. They're all evil. But my guy's cool. The guy I voted for, he's a, he's a he's a good Republican or a good Democrat. Cuz he's from here. And I know him. He's good. 
well, did he vote for the budget? That's $36 billion over two mm-hmm. years. Did he vote for the gas tax that almost doubled? Uh, and then the money they said they were stealing from your your uh, wallet at the pump was going to go to fix roads, went into the general fund to go to some other program. How about the, the increase on the cigarette tax? Or all of the other things that they keep increasing. You know, the governor said, hey, we're going to give $200 million more to schools, even though education accounts for 53% of that $36 billion. And then he says, hey, local counties and school corporations, you know, you can raise taxes on local citizens and get more money. You should do that. That was actually his recommendation for how schools pay for pay for things now was to raise taxes locally. That's a solution because, <laughs> you know, there isn't enough money going into education in Indiana. So if that's all great, you know, or if that's horrible and you're angry about it, your guy voted for it. Your guy did it. Yeah, you may know him. He may be a great guy down at the diner. But he's screwing you over because he does not care about you. I think part of that, um, you know, the way people feel about the people representing them, some of them could be are really good people. I mean, I, I don't I don't doubt that. Many of the people that we have in the state house in the beginning, they set out to do good in the community. I'm sure they're good family people. They care about other people. The problem is more systemic. I mean, we, we structurally we we have a system where bribery is legal, and so you know, in order for them to maintain the position that they are in, they have to get reelected. And so, even though they may be a great guy at the diner that you see, maybe from your area, you may have known him a long time as a great person, and he may be, but the problem, I think, is more systemic because bribery is legal. You know, I've worked with a lot of the the members of the legislature, both in the Senate and the House, um, for, for many, many years now. And I can tell you that only a handful of them are true sons of bitches. Um, (laughs) Most of them are good people who have convinced themselves that they're doing good for their community. And they will have a couple of bills each year that probably are good for their community, but then they go along and get along with everything else. And the reason why they do it is because one party has a stranglehold on all levels of government in the state. They control more counties. They control more school boards. They control all the statewide offices. They control a supermajority in the legislature. And then they have the governor's office. And whenever that happens, it is real easy to do the things that you would have been against before. It's real easy to fall into that trap of helping your friend, quote, friends, those those companies and those causes. It's real easy to do that when there's no check on your power. I'll say this about the Democrats and the specifically in the, the state house. Um, they are dogged in their determination to be a vocal critic of whatever crap the Republican Party tries to pass. I cheer whenever I see you know, Senator Taylor and Senator Tallian add like 32, try to get 32 amendments onto a bad bill. They know not one of them is going to pass, but 
by God, they're going to stand up and read every, every single one of them to make them realize that you are doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the other people on the aisle, they don't listen. They don't stop and go, why are they doing this? Is it because maybe we're doing something gross? They just think it's a Democrat slowdown tactic. And so the Democrats aren't a strong enough check on that. I think the real gut shot to them, Donald Rainwater was part of that. Donald Rainwater's message that that the Republican Party had lost itself and forgot what it used to stand for. They some of them heard that message. Some of them saw it in their own voters and said, "Hey, there's something to this. The libertarian got 29% in my county. Maybe I should listen to this." Mm-hmm. Most of them didn't. Most of them are only going to listen to that and and really feel that gut check when they're sitting next to a libertarian in the legislature and going, oh, we screwed up. <laughs> and I'm here for that. I want that moment. Yeah. I want there to be a caucus of libertarians in the state Senate and on the in the House chamber that have their own little row and the Republicans have to look over and go, shit. Yeah, I, I I love seeing Rainwater up there on the debate stage. I would I'd really hope to see Brad Barron go up against Mitch McConnell, but he was too big of a coward to be on stage with a with a libertarian talking about the Second Amendment and things like that. He knew he was not going to look good. We've actually we've got a great debate system here, and I really applaud the debate commission in Indiana. Uh, it's run by Indiana Public Broadcasting, and. They have a charter that actually says any candidate that is on the ballot gets to participate in the debate. And I know um, Mike Pence tried to pull some stuff back in 2012 (laughs) to keep Rupert out of the debate. And they said, listen, if you don't want to come, that's fine. We'll put an empty uh, empty uh, placard (laughs) up there for you. Um, And then uh, I know that there were there have been a couple of times since then that a couple of candidates have tried to pull that with the debate commission and the debate commission just always says, listen, you're, you don't have to participate if you don't want to, but we're not going to kick out the libertarians. They have ballot access, their candidates on the ballot and the public has a right to hear from them. They're great. I love them. Um, they don't back down and they don't even particularly like us. The, the papers that make up that the editors that make up that board don't treat us very great in their papers, but they believe in the voice on that debate stage. So I, I do applaud them for that. Yeah, that, that's great. I think Arkansas did the same thing, you know, they, you know, uh, with the Senate race, because uh, Ricky Dale Harrington Jr. Uh, just basically got all the time because the Democrat dropped out and Tom Cotton refused to, to debate him. Uh, well, so the, the, that, was a, that was an interesting race. So there was, um, there was some shenanigans pulled with the Democrat and some like blackmailing going on. Oh, really? Is that um, what it was? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, there, was, there was some chicanery uh, afoot uh, oh. in Arkansas. But I loved watching it. And, and um, uh, Mr. Harrington, or, you know, Reverend Harrington, did it, an absolute amazing yeah. job. He wasn't, yeah. even when they tried to get him to be super critical of Tom Cotton, which is a, <laughs> very easy to do, <laughs> uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't swing at those pitches. Um, he didn't ascribe motives to Tom Cotton. Um, yeah. 
he he did an amazing job and i was uh, it was really interesting to see that they how they treated him during that debate and that they said no we want the we want to debate and if tom cotton's going to be um a little coward then we're going to let people know yeah and that was that was impressive yeah it really was that's cool all right let me take one more little break and then we'll come back and talk about the counties in indiana Hi everyone, this is Sean Osborne. Please check out my album Head in the Sand wherever you stream music. If you'd like to hear music about the crap that they call news, that is nothing but a bunch of editorials and opinions, this is the album for you. If you want to hear music about the authoritarian right and the authoritarian left and how they want to shove their ways down your throat, please stream it and share it with your friends. And now back to the show. So we're back. What, what, uh, what would you say are uh, like, what are the new counties that you just recently got affiliated? I know I've heard a lot about you've been visiting a lot of counties uh, recently and really extremely active. I think you mentioned to me that you'd, you'd been to like two counties every day. So what are the, what are the new counties that are uh, fired up right now? So uh, we ended 2020 with 25 affiliated county parties. Uh, and there's, you know, for those that don't know, there are 92 counties in Indiana. Um, right now we're at 44. Uh, so in basically uh, two months of work, uh, we were able to affiliate 19 new counties. And that's, um, let's see if I could try to remember them off the top of my head. Uh, it was Brown County, Clay County, Howard County, Green County, Grant County, Jennings County, Lawrence County, Kosciuszko. I'm going to stop saying county. Um, Kosciuszko, uh, Jennings, Martin, Marshall, Noble, uh, Putnam, Shelby, Tipton, Whitley and Wells. I know I'm forgetting something. In uh, that's, there. that's a pretty damn good Somebody list. I could, I've lived in two states and I couldn't name that many counties out of both the states. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to write it out and I talk to them like every day uh, for two <laughs> for two solid months. And then I participated in their organizing conventions. And then I've been to a bunch of the uh, the conventions around the state. Um, and, and I want to talk about why I've been going to the conventions that are already affiliated. Um, my part. My partner asked me uh, the other day, he was like, aren't you running unopposed? Like, isn't it pretty much like a lock that you're going to win? And I was like, well, you know, you never know with conventions. Um, Jesus may walk in and say he wants to be uh, the state party chair, in which case he, he likely would win. Um, but yeah, I'm likely to win. That's OK. I'm not going to these counties to shore up votes. Most of them the people who are going to be delegates to the state convention have known me for a long time. I'm going to these counties that have already been affiliated because we haven't gone before. Mm -hmm. Most of our counties in Indiana um, feel disconnected from the state party. 
And, you know, that's that criticism is hurled right back at me because I've been the development director for two years uh-huh. uh, for the state party. And I felt like there's a lot of work we're going to be doing over the next two years. And I can't wait until next year, January and February and March, when they're holding their their county conventions to come back and then say, hey, guys, we were doing all this stuff. Where were you? Instead, I want to come there now and say, hey, we're going to be doing all of this stuff with you, not to you, but with you. And and we want to be a giant team in Indiana, but it requires buy-in from everybody. I'm going to be there to answer your calls every single day, to answer your emails every single day, to, to get in the car and come down here when you're on fire and need help. But I need you guys to step up and fill all these positions. Go and you know, hold these events, go to these council meetings, uh, write the letters to the editor, uh, you know, participate in the community, engage with your neighbor. If you guys do that, you will be the number one party in your county within two years. So that was why I, I wanted to go to the, the state con- or to the county conventions is to, there's a momentum, there's an enthusiasm that's building and I wanted them to know that the state party isn't just sitting on its laurels. We're, we're engaging. We are building off that momentum and we're not going to waste it. Mm, that's cool. Which, which, uh, are there any counties that you would say are like uh, your strong, stronger counties? Like where things have really. Yeah, I have my, I have my favorite children. I have, yeah. you know, most parents would, would say they don't, but I do. Um, <laughs> No, I'm, uh, Morgan County is hands down one of the best counties in the state of Indiana. They are highly active. Danny Lundy has done an amazing job as chair down there. They're engaged. Um, they're irritating the town council, um, <laughs> specifically the town council president. Um, they are doing all of the right things. They found their niche uh, because every that's the other thing is you can't just take what Marion, what Morgan County has done and emulate it in your county. You have to find your own niche. Mm-hmm. What's going to resonate for what's the need in the community there in Morgan County? It was oversight. There was oversight needed on the, the local governments because they were just running roughshod. They were holding closed meetings. They were hiring their friends to be fire chiefs and that had no experience. It was a, it was a cluster. And Morgan County said, hey, we're going to start broadcasting these meetings that they're not recording anymore. Um, we're going to put it on a Facebook page. And so more people were tuned into their Facebook page to watch these council meetings. And they turned to the libertarians to tell them what was really going on. And, you know, they're going to win. One of their, uh, Anna Elliott was appointed vice president of the, uh, or vice chair of the Martinsville Board of Zoning Appeals. It's a really awkward way of saying it, but that was the accurate way of saying it. Um, and she's probably going to be chair of that in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're likely to win a council seat down there this next session or cycle. Um, Morgan County's great. The eighth district uh, is one of the best districts. They're highly organized. Uh, Micah Haynes, who's the district rep down there, um, you know, he's been doing a great job getting all of the county parties working together and rowing in the same direction. Um, they've got a great leadership team. They've got great plans. 
um, and then just, you know, working with their county party and then working back up with the state party to make sure that we're the resources are going in the right direction and helping uh, the right teams. You know, those are those are the great ones. But here's what I tell everybody. I want Morgan County to be the worst county in Indiana, not because they stop doing what they're doing, but because everybody else is doing better than Morgan County. Mm -hmm. I want the eighth district to be the worst district in the state because everybody is is competing to do better. I want there to be a competition for who's the best district, who's the best county party. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Jennings County, uh, which was one of the ones that was newly developed, Kevin Corey all down there. Um, you know, before they even had their the uh, vote for affiliation, before they got recognized by the state party on February 20th, you know, we have, there's a, a weird thing in Indiana law that says minor parties have to have two candidates on the ballot every year to be able to get the voter, regist- the updated voter registration list. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no elections this year. So we can't get the updated list after the elections. Uh. Right. It's garbage. However, there are towns, three towns in Indiana, Cambridge City, Montezuma, which I had, ne- had never heard of before. I didn't and, uh, either. <laughs> Vernon, Indiana. All three have very small elections because they are what are called charter towns. They were they were chartered before Indiana was a state. So they get to hold their own kind of weird unconstitutional elections because they're chartered outside of the constitution, state constitution. So they have elections this year. We reached out to Kevin um, and said, hey, man, Vernon is in your, your county. They have an election this year. Do you think you can get us a candidate or two on the ballot? And he said, yeah, sure, I'll try. It was like a week and a half before the filing deadline. Uh. And and, uh, there was somebody who was already a party member who he reached out to who was like, yeah, I've actually been thinking about running for mayor. I'll I'll run for mayor. Let's go ahead. Let's do it. And um, the day of uh, or the night before the deadline, Kevin said, hey, man, I'm real sorry. I don't think I'm going to get you another candidate. I was like, man, you got us one. Like, that's awesome. We just need one more. And there's two other towns. Like, it's on us if we screw this up. Uh Um, And like, literally a half hour before the filing deadline, he messaged me again and said, I got you two more candidates in Vernon. (laughs) Nice. And I'm like, wow, like they're not even officially a county party yet, Uh affiliated with the state party. And he got us three when we only needed two. And it got a lot of attention. That was the other thing. Like he was sending out press releases and me and Don Rainwater and Jeff Maurer went down there the day before the election to knock on all 158 registered voters doors. Um, we talked to people with the candidates Then we came back down on election day and stood out there the entire time the polls were open. Normally that election has like 27 people turn out out of a town of 158 registered voters. This time it was 84. Mm. Our candidate, all of our candidates lost, um, but they they got more votes for them than were cast in the previous election. Oh man! And and the incumbents were like calling family and friends. They literally, <laughs> I heard one calling their employee and telling them, 
to get their ass to the gym to go vote before the polls closed. <laughs> so they were worried. They were scared. And now As those well, three too. candidates are are hyper motivated to just be a thorn in their side for the next two years until the next election. Nice. Um, so that's, you know, I think Jennings is, is probably going to be, you know, nipping at Morgan County's heels. And I like that. I want them to do that. I want every county to be vying for that top spot. Mm-hmm. What kind of, uh, what kind of, um, I don't know, uh, I guess, I don't know if this would be something you would do as chair because you said you leave it up to the candidates. Like what kind of outreach do you guys uh, plan or do you know of anybody planning for like college towns to try to, you know, like, uh, you know, we get people out on campus to talk to young people or anything like that. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I hate to be cryptic, (laughs) but there'll be announcements uh, March 28th after the convention. Um, dealing with that very topic. Oh, I, love um, it. I love it. But I will tell you this. One of the things that I'm pushing for um, is that our counties do more things. Um, business meetings are not where you get libertarians. Nobody is sitting at home going, hey, it's a Wednesday night. I'm bored. Why don't we go down to the Libertarian Party monthly meeting and go listen to them bitch about bylaws? <laughs> That's not a thing. However much we may think it is, it's really not. Um, we have to do positive things in the community. Uh, there's, you know, the Future of America Foundation or America's Future Foundation or whatever it's called, AF. Um, that whole monthly series, we have a chapter here in Indiana and they do fund socializers, but they're they're policy-driven socializers. So they they bring in people to talk about criminal justice reform. Uh, one of them that I went to, they brought in a gentleman who fights for, um, uh, you know, uh, re-entry uh, programs, uh, you know, privately funded re-entry programs, because he talks about how um, the rules are stacked against you when you get out of prison. You, you are more likely to end up back in prison just because you broke a rule for your release because you can't get a job. You don't have stable housing. You don't have any of the things that you, you have to have um, when you're on probation or parole. And, you know, it was a fascinating conversation. It was engaging. It was, it was um, I hate to say entertaining, but entertaining. Um, so we have to be better at having events that matter to people in the community. And so more fun, engaging events, but then also we have to do something positive in the community. Um, Down in, I think it's Clark County, they have um, the uh, Libertarian Party has their own food bank down there. It's a no questions asked, uh, you need food, we've got food, come and get it because they they there was a need for a food bank in the community and they said we'll do it we'll raise the money ourselves it's not paid for through the county party but it's hosted at the county party's office and it's a wild success and people look at it and they go wow libertarians you know really do believe in this that and that that's the type of stuff we need to be doing and i i've literally been talking about this for almost 10 years traveling around the country setting up county parties saying every year pick a charity or pick a cause that's not political and then every month go and volunteer with that cause highlight that cause go and be part of a libertarian solution 
to a problem in your community. Be an example. Um, and, you know, be the, uh, for the people of faith out there, be the mustard seed. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's what I want to see more of. I want to see our county parties doing that because when you do that, it's going to bring people in who are going to be willing to then listen to your boring business meetings. They're going to be, they're going to want to be involved in organizing the county. When it's time to run candidates, they're going to want to go and knock on doors because the thing about when you find that thing in your life that frees you, whether it's uh, a 12-step program freeing you from the chains of addiction, or it's uh, finding faith, or you know whatever it is, everybody wants to knock on doors and tell other people about it. I've got this great thing that's going to make your life better. It's going to make your life complete and whole. Let me tell you about it. We need people to go and evangelize libertarianism, to go and be the ambassador for our candidates door to door. And the only way to do that is to get them excited and passionate about it. And you don't get excited and passionate about liberty and freedom at a monthly business meeting. Mm-hmm. You get impassioned by that, by going to an engaging event, by seeing other people in your community who are passionate about defending the Second Amendment or passionate about defending your medical choice to choose not to vaccinate or to vaccinate or your right to choose whether or not to wear a mask or not wear a mask. They're passionate about people uh, having their homes be Airbnbs instead of the county telling you you can't. Yep. People get passionate about those things and they engage in those events. And then they want to go out and they want to tell other people, we found the answer. Here it is. It's free. All you have to do is click that button in the booth. That's all you got to do. Michael Cloud um, was a great fundraiser for the Libertarian Party. And there's a lot of things that I disagreed with Michael Cloud about. But I heard him give a speech one time in North Carolina at their state convention. And he said, everybody says, you know, I would vote for libertarians if they could win. I would do this if. I would donate to you if. And he says, well, what if, what if I put a button in front of you and by pushing it, you could do away with those burdensome taxes. If I put a button in front of you and you pushed it, it got rid of our foreign wars and created a peaceful society. If I put a button in front of you and you pushed it and it freed the people chained up in prison for victimless crimes, would you push the button? So let me ask you guys, would you push the button? You know it. Then on election day, <laughs> then on election day, go in and push the button. Vote libertarian. Yeah, that's great. I like that. It's better when he gives it. I'll give you that. It's probably been six years since I've heard that, but I, I always have that vision of uh, the Staples easy button. If you remember <laughs> that, and I always think it's just as easy as pushing the button. Go in and push the button. Vote L. Vote for the change. Vote your hopes, not your fears. Push the button. 
And so we have to give them a reason. We have to show them that pushing the button actually will make things better because we're here in the community making things better. Imagine what we could do if you let us fight in the legislature to repeal these horrific laws that put people in cages, that steal your money, that limit your property rights, that force you to educate your children the way they decide they should be educated. All of these things could be undone if you just push the button. Yep. Yeah, I do. I do like that. Some something you said in there is like uh, talking about how like the different counties have their different thing. That's one of the reasons I I did this podcast is because I know that local is such a you know it's where we're going to make the biggest difference. I almost called the podcast the local libertarian, uh, and I wanted to, I wanted this to be able to share ideas like that idea about the food banks really great. Like out here, I live in Los Angeles, and you know one of the things our chair Angela McArdle's done is she basically found out who's good at what, and she just set us out to do what we do. So I'm a musician, so I've been working on um, trying to put together some music events, um, those kind of things, to make it more fun for people to come show up and get some libertarian literature. Uh, you know, doing the, some people are doing documentaries, interviewing uh, business owners been torn up by the lockdowns and I'm putting some of the music in the, in the background for these and those kind of things. So we all find our niche of how we can help out volunteer to do these things. So that's, that's great. I, I like that food bank idea. That's a really sweet idea. I think that would go over really well out here in LA. You know, I, I'm all about finding your niche. My niche is I'm a campaigner. Uh -huh. um, and that's why I've never run for state chair before is because we weren't, I hate to say it like this, we weren't ready um, as a party, um, as an organization, and as a state. I don't think we were ready yet. And I probably would have burned myself out and maybe gotten nowhere. But my niche is I'm a campaigner. That's my thing. I'm to toot my own horn. I'm pretty good at campaign strategy. Um, you have to find not just the niche for your county party, but your niche for each individual person. You have yeah. to find their talent and then let them find a way to use that talent within your, your organization or your campaign. You know, so, so you're a musician. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. One of my gr greatest tools to talk about uh, police violence is the song No Knock Raid. Um, it, that video and that song I've played it for hardcore authoritarian back the blue bootlickers um, who, when I, when I play that for them, they go, God, is that real? And I was like, that is one, one hundredth of a percent. Who's that by? Characters. I knew you were going to ask me that. I can't remember. It was, it was done through reason. Um, I can see the guy, but I can't, I'm like, in my head, I can see him. Remy does a lot of the stuff for reason. No, so this was a while ago, and this was, a, I mean, he was a legit uh, musician. Now I'm going to look uh, it up. Hold on. I'm going to mute myself while I top, type this. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, that's all right. I know, I know um, Van, uh, Van Morris, or Van, yeah, Van Morrison, or Van, oh, crap. He did, he did a song about the lockdowns. So there's a lot of good messages coming out in music these days, so that's, that's uh, rather fun. The, uh as we come up here, it was, did you, did, so it was uh, Lindy. 
Lindy, L-I-N-D-Y, Lindy. Lindy. Right. No, not great. What style of music? Got a, um, it's like, like folk rock. That's right up my alley. Yeah, I have to check that out. Yeah, I did, I've been doing a, a like a, I'd say like a Woody Guthrie style minus minus the socialism. Yeah, I uh, could do it. That, that's that's been my thing lately. But I'm classically trained, and and uh, John he did the he did the the blues stuff for all of our podcasts. That all the music okay. for these. Yeah. yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm really into Texas rhythm and blues. Um, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan oh, um, yeah. is, is one of my favorite musicians of all time. The man yeah. could play a guitar and sing like, like nobody else. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, he was inspiration to a, a lot of other great guitarists that have come since. Oh. Um, but, um, you know, the thing about, like I want to say again about the niches is, Everybody has a talent. You may not realize or think you have a talent, but I guarantee you, you have a talent and a passion for something. And if you go to a candidate or a county party chair and you tell them like the things that you're passionate about or the things that you're capable of doing, and they, they say to you, I don't know if we've got a fit for you. Would you rather do this over here? You know, like you're talking about you're a good artist and they're like, cool, you want a phone bank for us? Send me a message so I can straighten out your county chair or your candidate. Um, because the, the the best way to deflate your volunteer team is to put them in the wrong position. Yeah. Um, you know, you putting somebody who doesn't handle well talking strangers on the phone is a mistake, uh-huh. you know? And, and likewise, somebody who's great at, talking to people it's a bad idea to have them writing just press releases get them out talking to people door to door um cultivate the talent in your community don't pigeonhole it and shoehorn it into what you think you need yep did you have any other questions john so did you did you have any uh other points you'd like to make before we wrap up here uh, if you're good talking to you, John. Yeah, there was um, oh crap. I had one more thing I was gonna ask. I forgot what it was. But yeah, that, that's cool. So um, when uh, when you uh, after when, when's when's the uh, convention that you're uh, gonna go for the chair? Uh, March twenty seventh in Fishers, Indiana. All right. So you know if uh, you know uh, afterwards if you'd like to come back on the podcast, I'd love to hear about how it goes and. I'm definitely interested in hearing about this college uh, thing. So yeah, like, keep keep an eye out. Yeah, there's going like to be a lot of, to be lot of info. Hmm? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, anytime, please uh, hit us up. Or if you know if you got any candidates you want to get some uh, podcast time, you know, send, send them our way. I'm more than happy to talk to them and spread it all over the place. You know, we gotta we gotta all work together to get these candidates' names out there and stuff. So you should really have uh, Jeff Maurer on. Uh, I'm going to pitch him to you right now on air. Uh, Jeff Maurer is leading the LPIN's efforts on our own redistricting plan um, because it's been bungled by the 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 state and the feds. Uh, it was supposed to be it's supposed to be done in January. Um, it got pushed because of COVID and the census data wasn't available. They said it would be available in April. The mm-hmm. legislature said, "Hey, we'll get that data. We'll have a special session over the summer." And then we'll draw the maps. Well, now the feds have come out and said that the data won't be available until September 30th at the earliest. 
So we may not have new district maps in 2022, and, uh, but I guarantee you when we do have them, they're going to be gerrymandered like all get out. You can bet. Um, so we've been, John is, or Jeff Maurer has been leading the effort to create our own data system for how to create uh, fair and balanced uh, district maps. And so it'd be great to have him on to nerd yeah, out about cool. that. I really appreciate that. You know, I, I actually meant to mention it earlier when we were talking, um, you know, cause I'm out here in LA, we, we had some people come and talk to us during our XCOM meeting about, um, you know, the, the, the data that they had gotten from national and uh, they had been, they, you know, early last year, they were talking about how the rise of the libertarian party in Indiana, you know, about how strong it was getting. So they were getting that polling information early on that a lot of people were looking mm -hmm. into it kind of foreshadowing, you know, rainwater and, you know, the success mm -hmm. you're having around the state. And man, I, you know, as a, as somebody who grew up in Indiana, that just, man, it filled me full of all kinds of happiness. So, you know, and, and it's, this has been something that's been brewing for a long time in, in Indiana. I mean, the party was founded July 14th, 1974. And, you know, we've been on the ballot with, you know, ballot access since 1994. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that has taken a lot of work a, a lot of dedication and skill. And so, you know, the party has had its ups and downs here in Indiana um, over its entire life. Um, but there's a, Indiana's, you know, if you ask a lot of affiliates around the country at any point in time since, you know, 1994, Indiana's always been one of the strongest uh, state parties, mm -hmm. strongest affiliates. And I again, like I say about Morgan County and the 8th District, I don't want Indiana to be the strongest. Uh, uh, Pennsylvania is, is just killing it with Steve Sheets as the chair there yeah. and, and what's going on down there. Pennsylvania is an amazing success. Uh, I'm actually pushing people to, you know, beat the crap out of Pennsylvania here in Indiana. Yeah. Um, but I want I want every state to be better than Indiana and Pennsylvania. Yes, indeed. Sounds wonderful. Well, I look forward to hearing more from you and uh, hearing more about candidates from Indiana uh, running for everything. So thank you very much, sir. Thank you, guys. I appreciate and it. And hope to see you back on the Liberty Blues.